from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things each week that make us go wow. Wow. Uh, I'm co-founder of World of Wonder, Fenton Bailey, joined by editor of the Wow Report, James St. James. Got it. And so excited to welcome back Tom Campbell. Fresh from vacation. You are our chief creative officer and you've been on a on a retreat. Yes. Right? It's so nice to have us all back together again, boys. Yeah. Missed you. For this, our 269th episode. Good God almighty. <laughs> Let's jump into the countdown. Number 10. Only Murders in the Building. Oh, I can't wait. Yes. It's a new Hulu series. It's, uh, it was co-written and stars Steve Martin and Martin Short. And as one reviewer said, the replacement for Chevy Chase is Selena Gomez. As one does. <laughs> <laughs> and that's an odd pairing, or she makes it an odd pairing. I um, think this sounds delicious. I think you're going to like it. Everything, anything you can criticize about the show, it's a series, Steve Martin's first series, um, is what you love about it. Um, and basically the premise is there's a murder in this very fancy Dakota-like building in New York that these three people live in. Steve Martin is an actor, kind of like a washed up MacGyver who can't get work, who has like, and it's sort of the theme of loneliness. He's kind of can't get any work. He can only be an actor. He can't really access his feelings in real life. Martin Short is a flouncy, fabulous Broadway producer who's lost everybody's money and can't, you know, has a flair, but sort of got nowhere. He's genius. And Selena Gomez has the mystery, but she's supposedly living in her aunt's apartment and redoing it, but it's kind of sloppy. And she's just up there and, you know, Whatever her uh, financial state is, she's dressed beautifully. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> in the very beginning, so I'm not giving away too much. The very beginning, you see Martin Short and Steve Martin are running, running, running. It's a terrible thing. They go down, and there's a dead body. And, and then Selena Gomez looks up. So she's covered in blood. She goes, it's not what it looks like. And that's how it starts. And then it flo- two months before, and there is a murder in the building. And, they, and they're all, the, the way they meet each other reluctantly is they're all fans of a murder uh, podcast <laughs> called like, o- Not Okay in Oklahoma or something, uh, which uh, Tina Fey makes cameos, lots of cameos, lots of cameos as, as, as sort of the visualization of the podcast. And they decide that they're going to put their podcast, their murder mystery podcast expertise to use uh, in, in beautiful uh, New York. And there's one secret after another and layers and onions. It's also full of really corny showbiz jokes. Love it. Love it. No problem with that here. Right. And they're all good. I, I imagine they all bounce off each other very well, especially Steve and Martin, because they, they know each other so well. But I imagine Selena is sort of the oddball mix in there that makes it fun. And, and it's the right thing because it's not a creepy romance, although there is some, you know, they, they, they care about each other. But it's not a creepy older man, younger woman romance. She is exquisitely beautiful. I knew we knew this, but I've never really watched anything with Selena Gomez other than a music video. And she's just delightful to take in. And uh, I sort I, of think it reminds me a little bit of the Woody Allen murder, uh, Manhattan murder mystery. 
of which this is a great thing. I love Manhattan Murder Mystery, but to do a Manhattan Murder Mystery without Woody Allen and all that nonsense, it sort of seems like this is the way to go. Yes. Is but it I a have... musical? Are those songs in it? Um, they're... They're kind of are because there's something surreal that happens every episode. Some something happens surreal just because, just to sort of plot it along. And, and one of the things is Martin Short's trying to figure out who did it, and all of a sudden it breaks into chorus line. And there's like all the people who live in the building. And he's like, you get in the back. You know, he's doing his crazy showbiz thing. But for Martin Short, with some subtlety, which means no subtlety, but for right. Martin Short, with some subtlety. And I have to say, it's been said by others, he steals. Every scene he's in. Um, anyway, I'm three in. I'm hooked. It, I, I had a couple of criticisms I was watching. Like, that's a little clunky. That didn't quite work. And I decided I'm embracing this fully. It's really a, a delightful uh, romp with lots of, you know, things to be to, to be continued. And when I laugh, I won't say. But well, you know, it's funny. I'm glad you mentioned it because it was on my, I was on my to-do list and I'd forgotten about it. But I think because of this, I'm going to go back and watch it this weekend. It's it's a quick. You'll get the first three, and Nathan Lane has a part in it. Oh, Sting has a part in it. It's all, well, all they all live in the building. Digression, but but Martin Short does he look very different lately, or is he aged strangely? I mean, they're both really old, and I say that with love and respect. Right. They're both deep into their seventies, so the fact that they can move things and. Remember lines? I'm all for it. At our age, we can say really old, deep in our 70s, when when, when we are teetering on it. It's not that much older, guys. No, but I'm just saying that I can't can't look shame them in any way. I just think if, if they're still here, God bless them. Yeah, I wasn't. It wasn't a shady. I know it sounds like a shady question. It wasn't really meant as a shady question. I was just. He was in the morning show. Very. He had a little role in the morning show. I was like, is that Martin Short? So anyway, I don't. Yeah. Not gonna touch it. I get it. Uh Only Murders in the Building is streaming on Hulu. Yeah, Tuesdays. Every episode's awesome. on Tuesday. James number eight. No, James, James number nine. Oh, number nine. nine, number nine. Number nine. Um, I've never I, not been able to count from number 10 to number nine before. That's a new first. Talk about getting old. It should have been a question on your job application. Can you count from 10? I think we're just going to have to have giant cue cards that give you the number each time before before we start. Number nine, Jay. Number nine, American Horror Story season 10 on Netflix and Hulu. And I am going to say something that you are not going to believe. I take back every bad thing I've ever said about Ryan Murphy. The man is a genius. I love, I am fully on board with everything he's ever done. And I'm going to lay it out for you. I'm going to spread the buffet in front of you. This is, um, there's so many layers to this new season. It is so delicious on so many different levels. And one of those levels is that it is a delightful middle finger to World of Wonder and me and the party monster and everything. And I'm going to get to that because it's it starts off and it looks in the, in the beginning to be a mashup of Stephen King's um, The Shining and Salem's Lot. Okay. It is a writer 
who has writer's block, and he and his family go to P-Town during the off-season, during the winter. And he's going to write out a screenplay. And once he's there, they start to see that this empty, spooky, off-season town is populated by these vampire-like creatures who are feeding on the animals and everything around the town. And one night, he goes to this bar that is sort of like a seedy hustler bar in P-Town. And it is populated by these sort of hustlers. And Macaulay Culkin is there, and he's like the lead hustler. And he is this sort of aging over the hill. And I'm just going to say it. He, and you know there are conversations because Macaulay Culkin is playing it as Michael Alig near the end. If he had done Michael Alig as a young guy in Party Monster, he is now doing Michael Alig near the end of his ropes. And he is sort of this like, he's sort of fabulous, but he's like disheveled and like uh, sweaty and methed out of his mind. He's, he's a meth junkie and everything. And so you have all these different other things that are happening. You have Ryan Murphy is also le- referencing um, uh, something called uh, the Lady of the of the the Lady of the Dunes, which is an, a local urban legends. And there were some serial killers that happened. There was um, the Bridgewater Triangle is something that happens during check time. check yeah, and that's UFOs that happened in, in the, the area and stuff. Um, but he's also doing Party Monster because the thing is, is the the vampires, the lead vampires played by Evan Peters and um, what's her name, uh, Francis Conroy. They're this sort of couple, and they play they're, they're karaoke like vampires, and they're like sort of a Marty and or Kiki, um, you know, Kiki and Herb. Marty and Elaine. Marty and Elaine, Kiki and Herb, and they give the writer these pills, these black pills, and the black pills, if you're a, if you have talent. The pills are going to raise you to a gene level of genius, and you're going to become the superior talent of all time. You're going to become like a legend. But the, the, the trick is, is that you'll also become a vampire, and you have to feed on the other people, right? But if you don't have talent and you take the pills, then you become this wastrel-like wrath vampire figure. So you, if you take the pills and you become addicted, you have to have the talent to back it up. So you, if so it's, you're doing drugs, and if you do drugs, and you have talent, the, the drugs are going to work for you. But if you don't have talent and you do drugs, you're going to be this sort of wastrel figure, which is a fuck you to party monster and the whole idea of the path, the, the path of excess leads to the palace of wisdom. You know, the whole idea that you have to be a drug addict, that, that Michael Alec always thought you had to be a drug addict in order to access your genius is sort of what's happening here. So these drugs, these little black pills will, if, if you have the talent, you can become an, a drug addict. You can become the black pill addict and you can access your genius. But if you don't have the talent to back it up, you become one of these wasteful vampires. All right. So if, if you, uh, if you have the talent, you can become a vampire. Yeah. You can, you can use the drugs. You can use the drugs to enhance your talent, but you, you still become a vampire. You still become a vampire, but that's just sort of one of the side effects. You just have, you're going to feed off the people, the other, even, uh, even if you're the, either genius, way you're going to feed even people. If you're a genius. You're still going to feed off of others. Darling. We're all vampires after a certain age. Let's face well, ex- Exactly. But he's sort of say, but Ryan Murphy, and I don't know whether it's true, whether it's my megalomania that he's, he's riffing on party monster, but the very fact that he cast Macaulay Culkin says that he's riffing on Party Monster, the whole idea of that you have the drug addicts can be fabulous. 
Mm. And if, if it is just my megalomania, and if it is just me being mentally ill, it's still fabulous, and I'm still enjoying every minute of it. So, like I'm saying, whether whether Ryan Murphy is giving a finger to us or but, not, but, it doesn't but, uh, matter because it's still brilliant and genius. All right, and ultimately, everyone's going to hell anyway. So. Yeah, but but I really think that that you'll get the idea uh, if you watch it that the the drug addicts. Why why is it called double feature? The two episodes or something? Because no, no, no. I I think it turns into something else. I think it starts off being vampires. It's a game within a game. A game within a game. (laughs) Yes, it starts off being vampires and it turns into aliens later on. We don't. I mean, it always goes someplace completely different than what you think it is. But the idea is that you know every junkie quotes William Blake saying the palace of excess, but very rarely does the path of excess lead to the palace of Williams as any junkies very rarely get to the the palace of wisdom. Well, I guess we'll just have to watch and see if Seth Green pops up playing James St. James. <laughs> All right. So that's American Horror Story Double Feature Wednesdays, 10 p.m. FX next day on Hulu. Okay. 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 Number eight. June. I've been oh. waiting to talk about Dune. Well, wait, you can't do it two weeks in a row and not talk about it. You can't I am allowed to talk it. about it. I am allowed to. It is premiering, James, today at the Venice Film Festival. Oh, okay. And I'm not there because I don't need to be because I've already seen it. <laughs> Break it down for me. I know nothing about this. Dune. It's wait, you the Frank know Herbert, Dune? The Frank it's Herbert. a remake. It's a remake. It is indeed. It's a remake. <laughs> It's a spectacular remake by Denis Villeneuve, who uh director of the Blade Runner sequel. Um, he also which directed. Is, which is more brilliant than people give it credit for. I he also it. directed Arrival, uh, a very wow. a very uh, cerebral alien film, and uh, Sicario. Sicario, yeah. Um, and of course, the point of interest for James is that Timothy Chalamet plays. Oh, still my heart. The lo- the young love interest and Zendaya. The most brilliant right. woman on the t- on television. I mean, today. and they make a very comely couple on screen. But I think this film really is about the architecture. You know, Dune is a desert planet, um, and just the excuse for the most spectacular, epic scale, minimal architecture you ever saw. It's very Blade Runner, mm-hmm. but much bigger and much more stark. Um, and one it of the things dark. about one of the things about this planet, this desert planet is that there, there's this spice. And the spice, you need the spice because it allows time travel. Um, it is K. We're always having these drug addict references. I'm sorry. Uh, well, you know, it was written in the 60s, James. So it, it was, was the, the age of Aquarius, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. Um, but the problem with the dunes, that the sand is that it's full of sandworms. And they're just massive things that they are. Giant buttholes is what they look like. They are indeed, James. And you have not seen a giant butthole as giant as this. Oh, I they think are... you're challenging me. I've seen some giant buttholes. Yeah, I know you have. I'm sure you could stick your head up one, but these are bigger <laughs> on the screen. These are, I've never seen a big butthole as big as this. And the mood, I mean, it's really a mood piece, to be honest. And, and actually, David Lynch's 1984 film that was such a spectacular sort of flop also was a mood piece because I think it's something about Dune that is very mood. It's very moody. Um, and, and, and what works about this is that there aren't a lot of words. There isn't a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of, you know, looking and people have psychic powers and the soundtrack. Oh my God. Hans oh, yeah. Zimmer. Hans Zimmer did the soundtrack. It is unbelievably powerful. And you know, when people say, Oh, well, the music pulls it together. You think, yeah, yeah. It must be a dog of a movie. 
no, the music really, really does pull you through this. And it's fabulous. I mean, it's just amazing. Well, also, um, I, I imagine that the costumes are absolutely brilliant, too. I, I have this feeling that it's sort of a post-apocalyptic water world type situation yeah, where everyone has these rags it, that are falling off of them. It is a visual feast in, in every way. And um, um, I, the, the, I went to see it. I, I was saying to Jazz Tange, who, who very kindly took me as a date, I say, how did they get the whole story into two and a half hours? Because that's how long the film is. Well, what neither of us realized is it's only part one. So there are, there are two parts of Dune. I, uh, imagine, I have a feeling it's probably three parts. I, I, I it, hate to break it by the time we're done, it will probably be six. You're right. Yeah. It's never going to end. Um, Dune is out October 22nd in theaters and on HBO Max as well. It also has Oscar Isaacs and it also has Jason Momoa and a whole cast of really fabulous people. That um uh and Dave Batista isn't it is is he in it I can't remember I'm not sure you, I, but but one little detail I do want to show is that Frank Herbert who wrote Dune in I think it came out in 1964 he got the idea he was a writer and he was doing an article on um the Environment Agency and they were they were trying to introduce European grass to stabilize the dunes up in Oregon, mm. which were just sort of rolling and spreading. And he was writing an article about this idea of introducing European grass to hold the dunes together. Well, it and, does. And many people have done that since then. That's right. a common thing to do with sand dunes. Although apparently know. now they're trying to rip out the European grass. That's just a little update. Oh, I wonder if it's like an invasive species or something. something but, it, like but, that. but you do yeah. stop the sand dunes from spreading by planting grass that's very right so june october 22nd now check out our brand new podcast about new york city nightlife in the 70s what's 80s, this 90s. i don't know anything about it what don't tell me james st james it's called night fever and it's hosted by you wow <laughs> and the first episode features you talking to queen of the night diane brill and it's really fabulous randy and i are in a little bit we don't get much of a word in edgeways <laughs> um, <laughs> and you can watch on what presents plus with new episodes coming up every monday in fact next monday uh michael musto is the guest of honor on night fever all right. and, you know, I, I gotta say that we've done. I've edited. We've been editing the first four episodes, and they tell the strung together. They tell a really interesting story about me, and I come off as quite a sociopath. I am. I am absolutely completely bonkers. By the time you get to the fourth episode, someone call Ryan Murphy, American Horror Story <laughs> series XX, whatever it is. <laughs> Thank you. That's my ride. Hey, Blake, do you have a question for us? <laughs> yes, I do. Just for Fenton, what number are we going to after the break? <laughs> <laughs> That's a difficult question. I dare you. We'll be right back with the answer after the break. <laughs> You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. I am Fenton here with Tom Campbell. Uh, reunited thank goodness you're back james st james soon to be a ryan murphy horror lead actor and blake what was the question i just asked for just for fitting what number we're going into next <laughs> um, we're going to number seven number seven 
Uh, I, I told you I was away for two weeks in New Hampshire visiting family on vacation. I was just telling James before we started that I, I don't want to say I was being lazy because I'm lazy in Los Angeles. In New Hampshire, I was just soaking it all in. That was my line. I'm just soaking mm-hmm. it all in, which means lying in bed and looking out the window. Um, the one thing I did, which I've rarely done in my life, is I listened to a book on tape, which is oh. almost like reading, almost. And it was, I saw it on my Facebook feed and I did it. And it's called Elizabeth and Monty. And it's a new double bio by a man named Charles Casillo. Or I don't know if you know him. Oh, about, okay. I know what you're talking about. Yes, yes, yes. And it is about Elizabeth Taylor and Montgomery Cliff. Yes. And it is, it is, um, it got me very curious about Montgomery Clift, who I know. Oh, God, he's wonderful. He was amazing. He was beautiful. You know, he was a child actor. You know, he's older than Elizabeth. He started, you know, in the thing, he had an overbearing mother. He had homosexuality. There was a narrative that the homosexuality drove him mad and crazy. Um, Elizabeth Taylor, he ends up meeting on uh, A Place in the Sun. Up at that point, Elizabeth Taylor is a young actress who becomes famous very young. And, she you was know, a child star, and she, he sort of helped guide her into becoming an actress. Yes. Actress. And, but each was, chapter... One's an actress, a, for, um, yes. Yes. That, uh, okay, keep going. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's chronological. It's about him. It's about Elizabeth. You know, so you're doing like parallel lives as they come together, as they part, as they come together individually they have lives that are fascinating and littered with the biggest names in you know film and stage and literary he was like Fontaine what 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 yes, he, and Fontaine was, yeah, he was a protege of them yeah he was a protege of them he starred in a, in a film with them and, and that was a um an, an arranged marriage she was supposedly a lesbian he was gay i didn't know elizabeth taylor's father uh was gay yeah and yeah was basically an arranged marriage with her mother. And he ended up having a long-term affair with Adrian. Oh, I didn't know that. So it's just, these are just like the, the, the peripheral, no, it's, it's full of peripheral facts. Can I, just, can I quickly tell the, the, the famous yeah. story about when he got into the accident? He got into the, have you gotten to that yet? It's, well, it's the whole thing starts with the night that supposedly ended his life. Okay. He's the most beautiful, you know, talented man. He's Brando and James Dean are look up to him, right? He is, he is the, 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 the torchbearer of, of the, you know, the Stanislavski method. And, and he's shooting Raintree County, which is supposed yes. to be with Elizabeth Taylor. That's their first pairing since in the place of the sun. And it's supposed to be bigger than gone with the wind. And they're yes. in the middle it's of so, filming. So, so Elizabeth invites him up to the house. They're at a party in the hills. And Elizabeth's he, house. Hold on a second. With, I'm sorry, I'll stop. With Rock Hudson and his wife, Phyllis Gates, are there. Go. So they're at the party. He leaves the party. He's a little drunk. He gets into his car. He's driving down the hill, and he drives off the off the cliff into into a foam boot into a foam pole, and he smashes his. Yeah, am I right? Am I right? Yes, you're absolutely right. Okay, and so he's he's in a horrible car wreck. He's his face has been like basically ripped off his his head, and Elizabeth hears this. She races down the hill. She's dr- driving herself. Races to the accident. She gets there and. And he's choking. <clears throat> he's dying. He's about to die. And she realizes that his teeth have been punched out of his face and that he's choking on his teeth. She reaches in with her hand, grabs the teeth from down his throat, rips the teeth out, and shaves his life. Well, 
His face has been destroyed. His beauty is gone for the rest of his life. He is a, a disfigured. Two months. Of- two months later, yes, he's back on the set of Rain Tree County yes, with a different his face. face doesn't his face work like this, and they have to shoot him from different angles. And for the rest of his life, he's a drug addict on the painkills. And by the time you get to Suddenly Last Summer, which is the movie that you and I and Fenton and no one are going to start our movie series with, that he is he is trying his desperate. He's desperately trying to keep it together but he is just a wreck of a man and he his beauty is gone but still Hollywood Wolf is forever trying desperately to hold him up and, and put him through movie after movie after movie even though he should just be in a rest home for the rest of my oh life. Oh my gosh, that's a horrible story. That's and that doesn't And again, that's the myth and that's correct but he had a big life afterwards. I have to say with both of them and Elizabeth uh, went to rehab and had recovery at some point but they are stories to me of alcoholism and drug addiction that we always, you know, it's like the Elvis story. It's the Marilyn Monroe story, which Montgomery Cliff did a movie with her called the outsiders. And it's all about uh, trying to find a reason that someone becomes an alcoholic or an addict. And I, I don't know that there is a reason, you know, people want like the narrative of like, Oh, he fell on his head when he's a child. And that's why he does this. Now they were both just, they both had the disease. Montgomery Cliff could not, uh, he was with hustlers at the end. You know, he died a miserable alcoholic life. Elizabeth, of course, uh, 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 rose above and moved on rose above and became an advocate. And now you, it puts in context her father's gay, Rock Hudson, her best friend's gay. Yeah. Montgomery but, Clift is it really her best friend's gay. And it puts into context. James Dean was gay. You know, I am, I am frightened to join all these dots of Hollywood gayness and addiction. I'm not joining those dots. No, but it, gonna... it gives you a reason. It gives you a more powerful reason when Elizabeth Taylor takes on the fight of AIDS for the last two decades oh, yeah. of her life. Yeah. It really is because she she was um, she, it, she wasn't. It's funny. I just recently rewatched the Misfits with with uh, you know Clark Gable and Marilyn Monroe and and Montgomery Clift, and it is a powerful. It is one of the most amazing movies that's of, of all time. I think it's one of the is that one of the top tens. And that right. was done after his accident, so he did yeah. have um, mm-hmm. he did have successes. We're moving on to number six, six, six. Number six. American Crime Story, Ryan Murphy, other other big series, and it is um, the the Monica Lewinsky scandal. It's impeachment, Monica, right? Impeachment, yes. And uh, we know that Monica has had input in this, and that she is a producer on the show. And American Crime Story has. So far, every single episode, every single series um, uh, has been spot on and and it's been pretty amazing and it it gets a lot of awards and it's done really well. I don't know that I can do it. And it's just and I know that Monica's imprint is on it so that we love Monica. We support Monica 100 percent in everything she does. And I am glad that she has input in her own story and is taking the reins of her narrative. Why are you hesitant? And, and I, I love Hillary too. And it's weird. I don't know that I can go to the story yet. I don't why are know we that. telling the story again? That's what I sort of wonder. Well, that, right? that's just, I mean, why were, why did we do the OJ Simpson again? You know, it's sort of the same thing where I don't, I don't know that enough time has passed personally, but to, to, for me to go back to that well yet. And even though I, I'm, I'm eager to hear from Monica's point of view and Beanie Feldman as, as Monica is really interesting, I do know that there is a controversy with Sarah Paulson playing Linda Tripp 
in a fat suit. Let's talk about that for a minute. Well, that, that's that's where I, where I wanted to go. Tom, okay, go. Good. No, you go. I just think well, I I think it's kind of ridiculous. But please, where, well, where do you weigh just, in? And she's apologized, and it gets that same thing as should LGBTQ actors be the only ones to portray LGBTQ characters? Do can big girls only play big girls? Do you have to, or or is a fat suit insulting to 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 people of of weight? You know. I, 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 I'm sounding archaic on this, but like, if you're not a brunette and you wear a brunette wig to play a character, you're taking something on. Sarah Paulson's a lesbian. Can she only play lesbians? I don't, like, it feels- Well, I think the whole thing about acting is it's pretending, right? I mean- But, but are you taking away, but, but are you taking away roles like the LGBTQ uh, argument? Like, like- Shouldn't we be giving LGBTQ roles? Shouldn't we be giving trans roles to trans girls? Shouldn't we be giving, you know, let let people of who are a little larger, shouldn't they finally get roles that they've been denied their whole life? I think it's a very, uh, I think it's a case by case. I think, yeah. and I, I think you, it, so much of this is about intention. Yeah. You know, what's behind, what's the intention behind the action? Are they trying to block out a, you know, by doing it, are they ruining someone's career? I, no, I don't know. like I said, because now I'm Ryan Murphy's biggest advocate, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here. And I'm saying, and because he's working with Monica, I, I have to believe that it's, that, that, you know, everyone's intentions in this are in the right place. Yeah, I, know a lot of you women. Know, I think, I think Linda Tripp is such a terrible, or was, because she's dead, yeah. uh, such a terrible human being. I think that anyone who plays her is, is, what, whoever they are is brave enough to take on that role because she was yeah. she was a despicable, irredeemable person. Horrible or nightmare, just yeah. Um, so okay. you know. no, moving on. That, that all I right, think. okay. American horror, American crime story impeachment is next Tuesday on FX. Tom, number five. Number five. I read a book too, a book on tape, and um because, you know, I'm very excited about the House of Gucci movie with uh, Our Lady of Gaga playing um, the murderess, right? Um, and I, so I, I bought the book, The House of Gucci, that it is based on, mm-hmm. um, written by Sarah Gay Forden. This book is old in the sense it came out in 2000. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea. I mean, the murder and, and all that is an amazing story. And I know that um, Scott Ridley, I'm sure, is going to tell it amazingly in the movie. And, and that's what the movie will be about. But that is a tiny fraction of this book. This is a fascinating story about the, the, the evolution of the House of Gucci. And where it got, for, for me, really interesting is when Maurizio Gucci, who was the youngest grandson of the founder of the House of Gucci, he basically takes control of the Gucci empire, rests, he inherited it from his father, he rests it out of his uncle's hands, kicks out the nephews and takes on the company all on his own and has this vision to remake Gucci. And as he tries to do this, he has to bond, um, he has to sort of sell out half half his share to... um, an Arabian investment bank called Investcor. And that's how he gets rid of the rest of his family because he buys them out. And then as he tries to realize his vision for Gucci, the investment bank says, no, you don't. And they end up taking it from him. And he sells, ends up having to sell his piece of Gucci for something like 150 million. And then the story gets doubly interesting because within five years, they go from making a loss, being on the verge of bankruptcy. This is 
early 1990s to becoming uh, having a billion in profit in in like a five year span. And the the key to that is the story of Tom Ford and Dominic Dassault, who is this lawyer who just got into the house of Gucci early on, kind of by accident, really wasn't up to the job, but became this super powerful figure and ends up as a CEO of Gucci. And it's, it's a fascinating story. It reminded me of, um, do you ever read uh, Robert Cringely's Accidental Empires? It, it, was, it was all about Microsoft and Apple and just basically how accidental it was that they ever got anywhere or did anything. And this Gucci story is kind of the same. The whole thing is complete chaos and dysfunction. And it's, but it's just amazing how suddenly, you know, suddenly everything goes to shit and then suddenly everything goes right. And it's just a fascinating story. And I'm sure none of that, you know, it's a high finance business corporate takeover kind of story, but it's really gripping. And I was just totally Totally gripped. Question. I am fascinated. I am totally fascinated. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, that's really, yeah. And it was the Japanese who basically rescued Gucci because the brand was sort of on the outs. But then suddenly they started buying it again. And, and actually, no one really knows why. It wasn't that they had this new look. It was just, just you know, that thing about a luxury brand. Suddenly it's too omnipresent and people turn against it. And then it lies fallow and then people come in and rediscover it. And that's kind of what, what happened. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, should we take a break? Hey, um, can I promote myself real quick again? Yes. <laughs> Speaking of books, I want to say that today we have um, introduced uh, a new cover for the Kindle version of Party Monster, which is being republished in the UK. And there's a fabulous new cover for it. I want everyone to go onto the Wow Report and check it out. It's the, um, for Party Monster. It looks spectacular. And it goes on sale in September. This is your month, James. It is also James Palooza on Wow Presents Plus. All James's works the are there. From my front porch as we speak. It is just too. It is a shower of love that I can't. I can't respond enough to. There you go. All right, <laughs> Blake. Have you got a question? I do. I think. I mean, it's for all of you, but I think Tom may get this because, um, on this day in 1957, this. Automobile, one of the biggest business flops in history, was released. What was it? I think I know. Okay. <laughs> we'll have James. the answer right after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James St. James and Tom Campbell and Blake. We're counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow, this week. And we had a question before the break. Yes. And on this day in 1957, this automobile was released and it was one of the biggest flops, business flops in history. What was it? Well, it's not the Edsel. And you it said that, that, that it, Tom, is it is the Edsel. It is, no, because this was 57. That's not the Edsel. The Edsel was before that, right? It was 57, 58, 59. The last one was 60. It is the Edsel, and I say that because we did a show on, um, what was it? The failed products. You can go back and watch it on the WOW Report. Um, World of Wonder did a show called Failed Products? No, we did. 
We on did this show. We, we, on this show, we did. Uh, yes. And Tom Taylor show. spoke about the, the Ed Soul. The Ford In Ed. one of our 269 episodes, James, <laughs> get with the program. Hey, yeah. I remember them all like they were yesterday. I just, that one seems to have slipped. I you always was out during my stories, James. <laughs> but wait, didn't like Lucy or somebody, didn't they do it? Didn't they get an Ed Soul or something or... She used to have Studebakers. Studebakers, right? Okay. What was okay. that car that that guy invented? Uh, and he tried to launch the car against. Oh, you're GM. thinking of, of the uh, in the eighties. No, Delorean. Delorean. No, not Delorean. You're no, of, Delorean. Of, of Nash, not Nash. Um, Tucker. Tucker. Yeah. What was his car called? Tucker. Oh, what's called Tucker? <laughs> the, the Tucker Mobile. All right, there you go. Tucker now. Oh, we should do a whole Cars episode one Love one that. time. In Cars, we'll have Gary Newman be the song. Yes. Love a bit Gary Newman. All right, we're at number four, Tom. Number four. You know, I'm the rest in peace guy, but have to take <laughs> a moment to uh, pay tribute to Ed Asner, oh. a great American actor who uh, touched our lives so many ways. He was 91. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say anything you don't already know, but I mean, the Mary Tyler Moore show was everything to me. And he played such an important part in that role, in that uh, show as Lou Grant. Lou! And Mr. Grant. Mr. And Grant. What's kind of amazing, which has been noted, is that they took that character, they spun off the Lou Grant character from a sitcom for seven years and turned it into a successful drama where he was the head of a newspaper. It was kind of in the afterglow of all the president's men when newspaper journalism was kind of sexy and they had lots of investigations. And Lou Grant, uh, Ed Asner, was really outspoken politically on the left his whole life. Very well-spoken, was the president of the actors, the Screen Actors Guild in the early 80s during the Reagan era. And a lot of, you know, helped get them health care, was fighting more recently when they're trying to get older people off health care. And Blue Grant was a top 10 show when it was canceled. And a lot of people think that's because of his political leanings to the left. In he the was 80s. he was beloved in Hollywood. People he was also the old man in Up, of course, the Pixar yes. movie. He uh he had many, many great roles. And Michael Moore gave a really touching um tribute on Twitter when he said that when he he was first doing what was the automobile movie in uh in uh Roger and me. Roger and me when he was first trying to get funding for Roger and me and he didn't have any money and he was writing to celebrities saying, will you donate? And the only star who donated was at Asner and he wrote and he said, I don't know you, but here's 500 bucks kids. I hope you make a hell of a movie. I was an auto worker once. So I am, I'm I'm right behind you 100%. And he said that that touched him in ways that like, you know, no other yeah. star helped him except for Ed Asner. That's amazing. Right before the pandemic, I think I was flying Alaska Air from L.A. to New York when we could still travel and do things on our own well. And, and I was in kind of, you know, it's two classes there, but it's not, there's like two rows of first. I'm sure I was not in first. Sitting behind me in the extra leg room class was uh, was was Ed oh, Asner. Wow. And I just saw him and I was just, I was glowing the whole trip, just thinking, oh my God, Asner's behind me. And when I finally got up to leave and was packing my stuff, I'm sure I didn't make any sense, but I kind of just like, bowed to him you know just like and he was like <laughs> we we're kind of just like rah, 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 to each other because it's just like it's it's hard even to put into words uh what he means to you he was in you know he's just been in everything he was in uh, uh roots and and, and yeah and 
a lot of gay people were posting him and his wife beater. Like he was a sort of a sexy bear back in <laughs> kind of he was sexy. And also recently someone had just died, I can't remember who, and he tweeted to Betty White and he said, It's just me and you, Betty. And he said to, about that was it when Rhoda died? I can't remember. I think when Gavin McLeod passed. Gavin McLeod and he said he said, I'll meet you in heaven soon. I'll, I'll be there very soon. And yeah. Betty, it's just me and you know. <laughs> so out of the uh, Mary Tyler Moore gang, the only yeah, remaining yeah. full-time cast member is Betty he White. He said to Gavin, I'll see you soon. And I was just, <laughs> and he I, did. I treasure you people. <laughs> oh, oh, tears. Let's move on to number three. Number three. Number three, this is just very quickly. I had uh, uh, a... Incident with FedEx that I've just got to share with everybody. I had a package that was supposed to go from New York to Los Angeles. Straight shot, a two day package. It was going to go, you know, from New York to LA. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? The package went, as I'm following it, you know, you get the tracking history and you, and you follow it. It went from New York to North Carolina, North Carolina to Pompano, Florida. From Pompano, Florida, it went to Key Largo, and it said, we're sorry your package is stuck in Key Largo. We don't know what the problem is. And it stayed in Key Largo for about four or five days and then went back to Pompano. Okay, From Pompano, it went to Livingston, Louisiana, where it got stuck in Livingston, Louisiana for a few days. And then from Livingston, Louisiana, it went to Sonora, Texas. And by this time, I'm tweeting about it every day. And I'm saying, I hope that by the time it gets to me, it's like those old-timey steamer trunks that comes with, with stickers all over it. Because it's having the better vacation than I've ever had in my life. So from Sonora, Texas, it goes to Tucson, Arizona, where it gets stuck for a few days. And by this time, I'm tweeting about it nonstop. And FedEx is seeing my tweets. And someone from FedEx contacts me and says, let's see if we can't figure out what's going on. And I say, thank you so much. And so after a whole bunch of information going back and forth, the, the lady from FedEx says, oh, well, we found the trouble. And it seems to have gone from Key Largo to uh, Livingston to Sonora. And uh, so that's what's going on. And I said, I know that's what's going on. I know that's what, why on earth would it be, why on earth did a, a package going from New York to LA end up in Key Largo in the first place? And she said very sensibly, oh, well, you know, it's trying to stay ahead of the hurricane. And I said, oh, okay. Well, why on earth are you throwing a package in the path of a hurricane if it's going from New York all the way down to the Florida coastline to Louisiana? Why are you putting it in the path of a hurricane in the first place? So then it goes from Tucson, Arizona to Pacoima, California, where it's stuck. And it says it still might be about another 10 days. And I'm what? like, well, are you kidding? I could drive to Pacoima tonight and be there when the place opened. Why are you not? And they said, oh, well, it's just, it's, it's just something that's happening in the, in the company because of the hurricane. Why on earth is so? If, if it was going, there's no coastline between New York and LA. It should have just stopped either in Chicago or Denver or Atlanta. Someone really needs their life size sex doll. No, I was going to say, James, don't you miss the days of good old fashioned drug mules when people just put it into a balloon, well, shove it up their ass, and fly across the country? I would say why it's like the Pony Express. I imagine someone is on a like a tricycle driving from each town and handing it off to the next person. You have to tell us what is in the package. 
Oh, I don't think I can tell you that. <laughs> no, no, it's an outfit that I had gotten from Pat Fields, and so so I've been trying, you know, going back and forth with Pat. All right, the, the people. At oh Pat well, Fields. we have to let us know when it arrives. We have to have a it has arrived, and it's absolutely spectacular. And thank you, Pat Fields. Thank you, designer to- Dope Tavio. It's it's wonderful, and I hope I have some place to give it justice. You see, I thought you were going to talk about Liquid Sky. That's what it says here. And I'd love you to talk about Liquid Sky. Well, I will next week because I'm doing a podcast with Annie Carlisle uh, next week with the, the um, you know, the lead from Liquid Sky. It's yeah. a, it not, has nothing to do with the world of wonder. I'm right. just, I'm doing a podcast with Annie. So I'm going to talk about that next week. You're very podcast promiscuous, James. I'll tell you something. It's, 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 it's funny because I'd done Heclina's podcast a few weeks ago and I was so funny on it. I was more funny on that podcast than I've ever been on anything World of Wonder related. And I think when you're the subject, when you're in someone else's interview subject, like you're relaxed and you're just, as opposed to like having to have a million things going on in your head and over because I was, it, it's just being on the other end of it is very fun. Oh, great. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number two. Number two. There is a new Vermeer in town. I, the, the, have you seen the, the picture? Girl yes. reading a letter at an open window. And it's, it's a beautiful painting. You, you know, spoke to me the other day. It's a fascinating story. And I didn't realize there were so few Vermeers in the world. 34 Vermeers in the world. And... It's a picture of a girl, an open, as it says, the, the title says it all. It says what it is on the tin. It's a picture of a girl reading a letter at an open window. Behind her is a completely blank wall. Or I should say was a completely blank wall until 1979. They x-rayed the painting and found something underneath on that blank wall. And they just spent two years scraping off the paint little by little. And they have unveiled on that wall a huge painting of a Cupid right behind her. And so this totally changes the painting because she's reading a letter. Well, what is she reading? Maybe she's reading a love letter. And the letter's crumpled. So maybe it's a sort of a love lost letter, you know, a letter she keeps on reading, looking for signs of hope. that part, yeah. Yes. And there's another detail. The Cupid is sort of standing with his sort of hand on his hips, his hand up. And where his hand is sort of obscured is the edge of this beautiful green curtain. And they've restored, they cleaned the painting because it was a little dirty and murky. And the, the green curtain is so beautiful and vivid and rich. And, and I didn't know this, but apparently what they did in those days is they would, especially during Lent, when you weren't supposed to be having impure thoughts, they would pull a curtain oh, the over the pictures yeah. in the house uh-huh. so you weren't getting hard-ons at naked cupids. Well, looking at, yeah, at the cupids' penises, yes. Right. So, But the way the cupid's hand is on his penis, it looks like the cupid is pulling back the curtain, revealing the scene. Revealing and, something that you can get hard over. Right? And the, like saying, oh, looky here, she's in love and I'm cupid. And it totally changes the whole focus of the painting, whereas before you were looking mostly at the girl reading, and right. now you're taking in the whole image of everything that's going on around her. And it's just, it is a spectacular new way to look at the painting. I want to go see it. Have you, have you seen it yet? Are you going to see it? I've just seen pictures of it. I think it's in Amsterdam, James. Oh, so... I thought it was coming to LA. I thought that was the whole... Oh, okay. Maybe it is. That'd be great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it sounds invasive, like tracing your your emails. 
the way the government can, which I learned in Monica Black and White that they can actually find drafts of emails you didn't even send. Oh, girl, ain't nothing. You 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 think you're throwing shit away? You you think you're you're taking it away for history? History will find it. History will always come back and find it, no matter how many hundreds of years later. Unless history doesn't care about you. Yeah, yeah, oblivion awaits us all. All right, uh, let's have a break. Uh, and when we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. wow. That is wow. totally not the lesson we were supposed to learn from your story that oblivion awaits us. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. Uh, I'm Fenton here with James and Tom, and we have reached... Number one. Number one. Roe versus Wade was challenged like it's never been challenged before, basically overturned. In Texas, uh, they have a law that says after six weeks, it's illegal to have an abortion. And the Supreme Court, uh, a majority of the Supreme Court ruled today that that is indeed constitutional. So, well, it, it it opens the door to a challenge on Roe, Roe versus Wade. It hasn't it has been overturned yet. Um, I. Yeah, it, there's there is a lot to take in there. There's a lot to chew on. Um, it has been just a a very challenging week between the hurricane and between you know everything in Kabul that's happening, and then this happens. It feels like ding 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 ding. Like we're we're yeah. headed for like things are getting rough again. It are the repercussions in in Texas because also there's a voter uh, law that that passed that is not uh, positive. Yeah, and- you know, and then the thing about about. Uh, uh, making it hard for people after week six is that a lot of people don't know they're pregnant during week by week six. And so uh, it's, and there's a meme going around. It's from the daily show, an interview with Kathleen Turner and Noah uh, uh, that basically says that, you know, any rhetoric around anti-choice is, is keeping, you know, people who live in poverty in poverty. It's generational. Yeah. And if they really wanted to make a change, they would invest money and energy into, you know, uh, 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 birth control and sex education and on and on. Instead, they just limit access. And so that people, because it's it's not about not getting rid of abortions. It's about preventing people who don't have money and access to get abortions. So it's a really, it's a dark, it's a dark thing to talk about, but it's, it's a major shift in our world. And uh, you think that it's, like I said, it's, it's not something that I'm, I, I know too much about, and I feel like it, it, it is something. Thank you for pointing me in the direction that it's something that I need to check up on. I just always, and I, I'm raised Catholic, so I think abortion, you know, you can fetishize the fetus and be like, abortion's a horrible thing, and how can you even consider anything? But then you look at how we treat babies that are born and mistreated, and it's like, again, let's prevent abortions. Let's all be into preventing abortions, but doing it through education, birth control, you know, knowledge and, and help and support, and not, you know, by by making... Well, I don't know that it is up to us to control abortion. I think it's up to the individual, and I think it's, right. up to, you know, so... Choice, choice, it is, pro-choice. Yeah, yeah, everyone has their own choice. Yeah. yeah. You know two places where abortion is illegal? Texas and Afghanistan. Thanks, good night, everybody. All right, well, thank you for tuning in to The Wow Report on Radio Andy Sirius XM. Listen to previous episodes on our YouTube channel, Wow Presents. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. Wow. Maybe that something is watching Night Fever on Spotify, coming to Apple.